0: Hi everyone welcome back today is November 9th and if it's Tuesday then this is the Delve Is a state of collapse, and how can we recognize when we are living through one? And while the Delve team had a difficult time coming up with one cohesive definition of collapse, we can take a look around our country and see that something is a little bit off. We have race-based militias roaming around, a government that doesn't seem to be able to pass anything with bipartisan support, and we even had an insurrection at our national capital just this year. That was just in January. So are we in these United States of America in a state of collapse? Today we take a look into the nuances of what collapse can be and discuss Indy Samarajiv's experiences in the collapse of Sri Lanka and the similarities to our potential current one here in America. We will learn who he is and see his viewpoint on factors that led to collapse. Not only that, but the factors and the consequences put upon a nation's society and the trickle-down through multiple generations.
1: Welcome to Indie.ca. I'm going to talk to you about the wealth of nations. I'm going to talk about how marrying into money uh, taught me about capitalism. You have as much to learn from me, a Sri Lankan, or someone in Nigeria, or someone in Bangladesh, as any of those people has to learn from you. I'm going to talk to you about colonialism, how that flows into capitalism, and how that flows into climate change.
0: Indy is a writer for Indy.ca who grew up in America and attended college in Canada and moved to Sri Lanka, where he currently resides, the place that he experienced collapse firsthand. Specifically, Indy saw the different stages of the collapse of Sri Lanka during their civil war. The two main ethnic groups in Sri Lanka had tensions stewing throughout the 1960s and 70s. It wasn't until 1983 where the majority Sinhalese and the minority Tamils were in an official civil war up until 2009. The 26th Civil War resulted in about 80,000 to 100,000 deaths in the South Asian island country, Then that's according to the United Nations.
1: The deadly and gruesome end to a civil war in South Asia.
0: The Sri Lanka has witnessed years of conflict and deadly terror attacks. The civil war, which ended in 2009, claimed tens of thousands of lives over 30 years. But what led to the civil war in the first place? Thousands of Tamil civilians were trapped on this strip of land as government forces and the liberation tigers of Tamil Elam fought out the last weeks of the war. Join Indy and I as we discuss the collapse of Sri Lanka and the striking parallels that we see in the US. Hey, Indy, welcome to the delve. How's it going today? Good, good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for, you know, spending some time with us. And I guess before we get started, can you tell the listeners about yourself and the work that you do?
1: Sure. So I'm a writer. Uh, I write at indeed.ca. I've been a writer since I was five years old. I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, and Mrs. Stewart taught me how to write, and I went on from there. I live in uh, in Colombo, Sri Lanka now, which is where my family is from. Mm. But given that we all sort of live in the American empire in one way or another, I, I write a lot, a lot about that as well.
0: Right. You have written quite a lot, actually, about the collapse of America. Now, I want to discuss these articles, but one of the things I want to say is that they were written at the tail end of the Trump administration. I guess during that time, America was in like a very bleak situation with the deaths from COVID. There was no widespread vaccine Kind of apparatus. Uh, so yeah, things did perhaps look like America was in a collapse. Since the administrations have changed, do you still believe America is collapsing?
1: Yeah, I mean, okay. what I, <laughs> I mean, that's just not. I think um, if you look at say, though, I've been reading stuff about the Weimar Republic in Germany. Mm-hmm. There's this book mm-hmm. by Eric Weitz, and then Hannah Arendt has wrote about written them about that also. And in Weimar Germany you know, the social Democrats came in and they had a good 10 year period where they had a sort of stable or it seems stable democratic government, but it didn't really address the core problems that were there. And so a series of violent shocks, you know, over, it took about 10 years and then it shook loose into into the Nazis. So I think if you look at say Biden today, he's not addressing those like deep systemic problems. Like hmm. your Congress now is unable to pass essentially like a road repair bill, right? Like right. other countries don't really have debates about basic infrastructure. Like everybody generally agrees on on infrastructure. Like in the Weimar Republic, also, the parliament became non or the Reichstag became non functional, and your Congress has become non functional. I've been weirdly listening to this like uh, some conservative, like MAGA hip hop, which okay. is, I mean, terrible hip hop. That sounds scary. <laughs> yeah. It's like both stupid and scary, which I, but uh, I guess stupid is scary. Right. Um, but so they have music videos where they they're at the January 16th insurrection, mm. like doing their rap video in front of cop cars. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and those people are organizing at the school board level right now. So you can think that things are fine, but this is sort of like the, the calm before the storm. Mm. Like there's a brief window to address the deep structural problems which you can feel them pulling on the left and the right. Like sort of the general social contract of America, you could call it say like liberal philosophy, the idea of, uh, I mean, like I think Bill Clinton did this, it's basically um, you know, free market capitalism in the streets and then social liberalism in the sheets. But that sort of contract <laughs> is breaking down. So on the left people are like, forget capitalism now. And then the right people are like, forget democracy. And then people in the middle, like the old sort of like Joe Biden type elites are just trying to like hold on to their privileges for dear life, but not Mm. making the structural changes that a country like America needs. I mean, I think it's it's good at this time to read about the Weimar Republic because they sort of went through the same thing. And America honestly isn't trying as hard as they did.
0: I feel like we jumped a gun. I I did that on accident and we were talking about the collapse, but I actually want to talk a little bit about the, what you saw as the collapse in Sri Lanka. Describe this period for the listeners. What, what happened in in Sri Lanka?
1: So, I mean, one thing about that period is, so I think my experience of collapse, I think is, it's almost like generational. So Mm. it started with like my generation, as in when I was born in 1982, Mm. like Things had been building for a while, but they really mm. hit the fan in 1983. I mean, things were bad before in many ways as well. But then we had, uh, had racial riots with government support where, where Tamil people were killed in the streets, including, I mean, on the street I'm on now, and my wife's wow. family is Tamil. Yeah, and that was just horrible. And it, it really, I mean, the problems had been there, but it, that really was the start of a cycle of violence, which took 30 years. And it really only ended when the, the people who were fighting on either side both got, you know, they just got like old and the, and the conflict sort of, I mean, it, it ended in war. But it, took, it was like a 30-year cycle of like, of, of, of badness. And so what I wrote about in that piece is just sort of like the kind of normalcy of it, right? Because for me, I was, I lived abroad and I, I lived here as well. But we, when I was here, like we went out and like did stuff like, you know, we fell in love, like we partied. Mm-hmm. At the same time, there were like a f- significant amount of suicide bombings and so on. Where I live mm-hmm. now, there, there was one about, I don't know, 500 meters away. I mean, like I, there, it was actually like all over the city. And yet mm-hmm. we still sort of just like, you know, Lived something will go off. Yeah. There's this sense of like, what I wrote about in that piece is that you kind of like expect it to be like a movie where you're in the movie and you're mm-hmm. the star and there's like action going on and you're fighting this thing all the time. Right. And it's not like that. If it is a movie you're you're an extra in it and you just Mm -hmm. kind of you know like the extras in like any movie they're just like going about their lives until like something randomly bad happens to them right um but there's stuff bad going on i mean just the sheer amount in the u.s like I, i think more people have died from COVID 19 than in all of the wars i mean you've killed more people obviously but all of the americans that have died in in american wars and I think it's, there's this weird sense that like, oh, but they died from like sickness and not violence, but right. to the people that die and to the people that, to their families, what, what's the difference? That there's significant trauma in your society. I mean, our, our society had significant trauma in it and that takes not like a few years or like a few elections, that takes generations to right. to shake out.
0: There's this line you have in your piece and um, you're, you talk about uh, Sri Lanka had lost about hundred thousand people over that um, 30 year period. And uh, you compare it to uh, the amount of folks that have died in America and you acknowledge, yeah, I know that America is 15 times bigger, but people don't die per capita. You write, they die per family, per friends, per community. And I was thinking like, wow, that's, that's true. It, it, it's traumatic. And um, whether it's through violence or through sickness, it can take a toll on a nation. We were talking about um, Haiti uh, a few weeks ago and um, in 2010, their earthquake killed 200, over 200,000 people. And I asked, mm-hmm. what does that do to a country? I guess now what we're in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of deaths here in America, what does that do to a country?
1: I don't know what it does to a country, but what it does to people is, I mean, it, it, it hurts. Like mm. there's children that grow up without parents or sure. there's husbands that grow up without wives. There's wives that grow up without husbands. There's just this like ripple effect right. through a society. And I do think if, if the country doesn't acknowledge it, then that's a, just an extra level of pain because then those people are alone. Mm. Then there's a sort of like loneliness in your suffering. And like Hannah Arendt, she's a philosopher, but she lived through the Nazi. I mean, she got out of the Nazi, uh, Nazi Germany, she wrote that like the root cause of totalitarianism is loneliness. Mm. So she described societies where people become atomized, where they lose the sort of structure of class and so on. And she said it turns them into sort of like grains of sand. They're they're alone in their suffering and and in their pain. And then, and then they, then they can turn to demagogues or anything that just gives them like meaning and Mm -hmm. a sense that like something, somebody cares about them. I mean, with Trump supporters, right? I like, was
0: just about to say it. <laughs> yeah. You beat me to it, but yeah. <laughs> I was just about to say that. I, I mean, please continue.
1: No, so, okay, so I watch these like hip hop videos and stuff, right? And like, they mm-hmm. have a community. They, they love Trump. So, so some of these rappers, they go, they have this blow up doll of Trump, which, which looks like a sex toy. And mm-hmm. in the music videos, all the, the blow up doll is in the music videos, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's just, a, it seems absurd, but this is someone from the elites that they feel like doesn't look down on them, like right. doesn't talk down to them. So I, I've read somewhere that people will accept someone swindling them, as long as that person doesn't make them feel like a fool. As long <laughs> as that person like, but whereas like people saying, oh, you know, you need to get vaccinated, you need to do all this. Right. That's right, but it makes them feel like fools. And so fundamentally there's just some, I think when you have that level of suffering, it creates loneliness in a society when that suffering isn't acknowledged, when a community can't heal together. And that mm-hmm. loneliness is very dangerous.
0: I feel like we, uh, especially during the 2016 election, afterwards, um, you know, there's all this analysis and it's like, oh, there are all these folks, they felt like they didn't have a voice and 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 the former president gave them this voice. And it. I think it's just so bizarre because he is just diametrically different from... The majority of these people, you know, they're from maybe rural communities or maybe they have not obtained, you know, a high degree of education. They're not making a lot of money. He's, you know, gone to an Ivy League school. He's super, super wealthy, billionaire status. And I just don't understand even the policies that he pursued. They were necessarily for folks on a lower social economic status. So I, I don't understand like where that connection is or how that connection is formed very weird.
1: I, I, I'm, not, I'm not an expert on that, but I, I think, so what and people talk about is that there's just sort of this like hypocrisy, she called it the bourgeois, but you could say of like the liberal middle, there's mm. this, and, and there's this thrill in just seeing someone just be vulgar and expose the hypocrisy of oh, like wow. the liberal elites and so on. Because mm. one thing Trump is right about is that like the system is like like BS and it like sort of like screws people over. Americans have gotten used to say like a healthcare system, which is just like predatory on their health. They've gotten used to just like transport systems where you like lose your job if you don't have a car. They've gotten used to, elites are screwing them over. There are conspiracies, right? There's like fossil fuel conspiracies. There's like pharma conspiracies. Like there's revolving doors within the government. So I was just uh, reading today how someone stepped out of the Pentagon and goes right to Boeing. Like that (laughs) happens all the time. Like your current defense secretary walked out of uh, Raytheon and then right back into the Pentagon. So Mm. like there is this sense that something is wrong. So Trump really does address the sense that something is wrong. His solution makes it worse. But what people hear from like Hillary Clinton or like Biden or whatever is that things are fundamentally fine. We just need to tweak a few things, pass a few bills. And that's not like what they're feeling. Like I think even on, on left or right or whatever, people do feel like things have there's like fundamental problems, mm-hmm. and so Trump is at least taking a match to this place the, I, the role of uh like in the hindu trinity there there's the creator, the preserver, and the destroyer Shiva, and mm-hmm. Shiva's always underestimated like mm-hmm. Trump is a a force of Shiva right like he's he's a destroyer, and sometimes people are like, this thing is so messed up like they want it
0: to burn right, but he offers no type of solution like you said his solutions are more harmful than than good who cares right like Mm.
1: it makes people feel good
0: yeah like
1: like if you're down and out like why do people do heroin like it's Mm. not doesn't make that situation better but Mm. you feel better i mean i I understand that and also of course in america there's just this like just deep racial resentment where people Mm. would like literally rather sort of like screw up their own schools than like see like black people in there and so on you know yeah, it's, like I, America is this I, fundamental problem of like it's just refusing to share. Right. Like you which, have enough, you just don't want to share.
0: Which is so weird. I, I I was reading this this article the other day, and there was a line in it, <laughs> like Americans would pass free healthcare if it was only for white people. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> like how funny is that? Like, I I don't know. Oh God, that's that's bizarre. No, but that um, attitude
1: is really, I mean, look, we have that here also. There's, I don't know, some nature of like this, this time that there mm-hmm. are these like racial resentments and then we do feel like we need to like hang on to us. Things that, in America that worked, right? So mm-hmm. with housing and so on, the place I grew up, I, I only realized this later, but it was effectively uh, segregated until the 80s. Mm-hmm. So if you're like a white GI or something coming out of World War II, like, you know, that was great. You actually got benefits and then you got things over other people. So that sort of like racial thing does work. And the Republicans are quite open when they talk about this. They've been talking about this for a while. Like they say, oh, illegal immigrants, which is a strange thing to call people, but mm-hmm. what they call illegal immigrants. They say, oh, they're going to become voters. They're going to outnumber us. They're going to replace us. Right. Like they have a real sense that there's a demographic shift coming and that like white power isn't enough to to hold power anymore. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to just, this is it their, Hopefully it's their last shot, but this is their shot to sort of just like rig these institutions to, I mean, which are rigged to preserve white power anyway.
0: And but, then we see like these voter suppression, suppression bills yeah. and um, just popping up across the country over 400 since uh, last And when
1: year. they say voter fraud, that just means like black people voting. Like yeah, that's that's right. fraud. And, you know, for most of American history, that was fraud and that was punished with lynchings and so on. So this is not some like change in what America is. Like this is what America is. I always say that America was founded in the 1960s by Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King, because that's when you got universal suffrage. Like Sri Lanka had had the vote before America. I think most democracies had it before America. Right. Uh, Amer- I don't think America would be considered a modern democracy until the 1960s. So you're actually very young. And then I think even in the cycle of places like Sri Lanka or post-colonial countries, mm-hmm. uh, as the sort of mix of races and identities started shaking out, we started to see violence about 30 to 40 years after our um, after our independence. And so I think America is actually going through the same cycle of a young democracy, which I think a lot, a lot of Americans don't see because they grew up as I did, thinking that it's like founded in 1776 and everything right, right. was cool. But at that point, I think only about like 6% of the population could vote.
0: Wow, I I've never thought about that before. That's quite fascinating <laughs> to think about. Um, I wanna go back to like this idea of collapse, of, an, of a nation collapsing. And if we can, can you like walk me through and walk the listeners through, you know, some of the key points that you see in America that makes you believe it is collapsing or it has collapsed?
1: Well, I mean, I think there's some sort of more philosophical points and there's more, I guess, obvious ones. Mm. I mean, the obvious ones are if your Congress can't pass normal laws without doing weird stuff like reconciliation or where the president is like ruling by decree essentially with executive orders, then some basic sort of plumbing of governance is like broken. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, that's sort of like the toilet not flushing. If people are just dying in large numbers, and if people are losing, you know, life and health in large numbers, those are pretty obvious signs of collapse. Mm -hmm. But I'd say the philosophical signs of collapse, and again, I think it's better to read Arendt or uh, this guy White's on that, but I I sort of describe it as, as a soggy taco. So there's left, right, and middle, right? So Mm. the middle, as long as everybody sort of believes in the same sort of there's a consensus around some sort of general shared reality, then you can hold a society together. Like when Obama transitioned from Bush, they sort of managed the financial crisis together to, to bail out the elites, essentially. But that was like a long transition where they worked together. So there was that basic consensus around liberalism, which is essentially capitalism and what you call democracy. Those things were agreed upon. So there was a consensus across the broad society of that, but what's happened with the Trump is that with Trump there, there was no transition, right? So democracies not agreed upon, even Mm -hmm. if it messes with, with capitalism, which it does. And so that means the sort of fabric, like the basic bottom of your taco is getting soggy and it's about to fall out. Whereas on the left and right, people are hardening their positions. So the right is a soggy taco. Well, I mean, soggy taco is a mess, right? It just gets all over your shirt. So, so this is like the sort of ideology that holds a nation is, it's an imagined community. That's really all it is. And it's based on some certain delusions about who you are and what you believe in. And when those basic delusions start to fall apart, then God knows what comes next. So Mm. I talk about the Weimar Republic because they had those tensions, like on the left and right, people really disagreed on just what fundamental things meant. On, on what fundamental values meant, they couldn't pass anything through their Reichstag, and then it eventually it did fall apart because the the con the part the Reichstag couldn't do anything, and they had a series of shocks, financial crashes, uh, pandemics that that they just couldn't deal with, and people were suffering, and then it just fell to the more organized party, which was the right wing, and the danger in America right now is that your right wing is very well organized,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: and say the people in government now are sort of preoccupied with fighting the left, which is exactly what happened in Germany. And the guys on the left are actually more right and they're certainly more, are more correct and they're certainly more negotiable. But, I mean, just listen to what the people, so I I follow some people on the right just to hear what they're saying. Mm. If you just listen to what they're saying and there's this whole culture of not taking them seriously, like, oh, they must be kidding. Like, what if they're not kidding? These guys talk about Trump is our president. You know, the election was fraudulent and people just laugh at that. But Mm. people laughed at Hitler as well. Just take them seriously. Like, they talk about essentially taking over elections and they're putting people in in secretary of state positions and so on to do that you can take Mm -hmm. them seriously and they got guns and they wave those around and you can take that seriously as well there's this sort of just blithe thing that this oh no this is so impossible that we Mm -hmm. we just can't even believe it but if you just take your opponents at their word then you should be perhaps reacting differently and i'm using you broadly i don't know what any one of you can do
0: it's kind of like no one was taking it seriously. And then January 6th happened. <laughs> we had the insurrection and people are overrunning the U S uh, because Yeah, but then you're still no not one... taking it seriously. Are and, you? Right. Like, right.
1: Who... Yeah. Like what happened after that? Right. That's pretty crazy. Right. That's pretty it's, crazy. That you guys just like insane. walk in and,
0: like. <laughs> it's literally insane. It's, it's, it's incredible that, you know, just a few People died that day. That's I feel like that's very incredible. Um, I feel like if those folks, you know, had a different shade of their skin, you know, there might have been tens and tens and tens of more deaths.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: Yeah. Right. Is- and
1: you know that you know that kid story, right? Like if you give a mouse a cookie, pretty soon it's going to want a glass of milk. Mm. So if you let people walk in your capital, pretty soon they they're, they're going to take it. This is <laughs> like Jesus. <laughs> like like people, I I think like a lot of people think. Like politics is laws or it's institutions and Mm -hmm. it's not, it's it's just like precedents. It's just examples. Mm -hmm. So it's what you do and then like what the consequences of that are. So now the precedent is that like, Hey, if you don't like an election, you can
0: sort of fight to just overthrow it. And
1: if you want to like walk into the Capitol
0: and kill some people, like that's Like, like, okay. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. He's like put it into the public space that this is acceptable behavior, which is, very dangerous.
1: And so I mean, he's got a full party behind him, right? right? So so after Hitler's beer hall push, they they arrested him a few days after. They banned the Nazi party. We look back on history like, oh, like they let him go and so on. But mm. that's more than America has done. Um, America hasn't done anything. Like you had a private company Twitter like remove Trump's Facebook or Twitter account. Like right. that's the extent of it. That'd be mm. like, I don't know, that'd be like if Hitler like stopped being able to publish in one newspaper, like
0: right. great. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that's been like the extent of, you know, any type of like discipline.
1: Oh dear. And
0: then I guess. Uh,
1: oh yeah. I'm sorry, man. Like I, I feel bad for you. Like my sister, <laughs> my sisters live in America. Yeah. And so, so actually as I was writing this stuff, they, they called me and they're like, just tell me something to make me feel better. Mm. And the only thing I could tell them was that like, well, when the stuff started in Sri Lanka, I was one year old and like, mm. you were like negative four. Sure. So, <laughs> so I told it, so like, you know, did they have, or my, one of my sisters has a kid and I said mm-hmm. like just just think like you know Ashok like actually won't remember all this crap you know, I, god knows it can get quite bad but if you think about it on generational cycles then suddenly maybe something's possible because mm-hmm. I don't know what you can change now with like the 80 year olds and the boomers who are just like going nuts
0: right but yeah I was just going to say I, I like to end these interviews asking the guests about something that makes them hopeful or optimistic. This is a very dark <laughs> and heavy topic, but what's like what's the hopeful direction for you know a society that has kind of collapsed? What um, it seems like there might be some some light with like a generational shift, perhaps.
1: Yeah, God willing. I mean, I I think so. So this mm. is a time of global like turmoil. Right. But mm, right. like you probably grew up around the same time I did or right? like in the nineties and so on. Sure. So I, re- I remember this feeling that like, it was like Francis Fukuyama said, it did feel like the end of history. Like mm. it felt like, Oh, everybody's going to become like a liberal democracy. Like things will just keep growing. Right. Um, and then suddenly it seems like we're just in the thick of history again. Mm. Like for, from what I read, I read a lot about the 1920s and so on. Cause it just feels a lot like that. And that was a time of great change. And Mm -hmm. a time of great, like there is a great suffering, obviously, but people also thought a lot. It Mm -hmm. it was a time of great philosophy, a time of, so one writer I was reading about philosophy said that, you know, the great philosophy comes at times of turmoil, like the warring states in China and so on. So -hmm. when things are really messed up, that's when people really start thinking because suddenly things aren't working anymore. So Mm -hmm. that is hopeful. Um, It breaks, God knows it breaks a lot of hearts, but it is actually right now we're in a hopeful time where you can just think deeply about problems or or read more or question some core assumptions because mm-hmm. everything's going to going to hell so you can you can start to question something and I think America needs to do that like question things on a fundamental level like is electoral democracy democracy like are, are we just are we just electing elites are we mm-hmm. just choosing our own elites like that's an important question to ask like do we need to keep people in cages in these numbers do we need mm-hmm. people with guns on the street? These are important questions that people are asking on the streets. So, I mean, that's kind of hopeful because thing is these problems have been there for generations, right? Uh, yeah. And now it's just becoming obvious, but these are, it is hopeful because then maybe we can, we can change some of them. Like out of the 1920s, there was a lot of change that happened, but I mean, it was also paid in blood.
0: Right. hopefully our, our recovery isn't, isn't so bloody. Um, hopefully it's a lot more peaceful and and yeah. Hopefully there's a <laughs> yeah. Why
1: do you? Why? I don't know. I think Americans always like you're used to like when I when I was in America the worst thing that happened was a snow day. Uh. Um, whereas I think I missed those light...
0: days. I missed that being yeah. the worst. That yeah. Happened. Now they're like
1: oh get on Zoom. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's this line in Sopranos where where this Russian is telling Tony, that's the trouble with you Americans. You expect nothing bad to ever happen, while the rest of the world expects only bad to happen. Mm. And they're not disappointed. Mm. Like, <laughs> like no, 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 I, I get what you're saying. What you're saying, like, oh, I hope this is like peaceful. Like, look, come on, man. Like, look at right. history. Like, is <laughs> that how things shake out? Like, in Sri Lanka, nobody's sitting around I'm thinking like, oh, I'm being hopeful
0: I, indeed. I know, I, I know, I get, I get it, I get it
1: but you're all, you're all going to have to wake up
0: yeah, Like yeah. in
1: the rest of the world. We're like, Oh, like things look pretty bad. They're probably and you worse. guys are like, Oh,
0: of course. But like, of course yeah. it's that bad.
1: <laughs> yeah. Because you shocked. gotta listen to the guys on the right. Right. Like they, to some degree think like that. They're like, things are going to get bad. I have a lot of guns. You know? Like I have, I have a lot of like canned food and no can opener.
0: Like, but I feel like the love is like, things are going to get bad. Let's open some organic farms. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's fine if you like make your own food, but, yeah, but you got to like, see that, like, I
0: mean, there's, that's the reason to be on that. I mean, like, you can't be like, oh, yeah, I, yeah. Do, I do think
1: the right wing is like better organized. Right. And, sure. and they've made, they, they've made up a threat where like people are, you know, pedophiles and baby killers and so on. Yeah. But, but they're organizing, um, they're organizing accordingly. Mm. Whereas you guys are like, things are good. I'm, I'm, I'm generalizing, but people on mm. the left are like, Oh, things are bad, but maybe they'll work out fine for some reasons I can't think of right now. Mm. And like, so you're not organizing with the urgency, the, the thing requires.
0: And I, I think something about the left as well is that they're a little bit more reactive, you know, like the, the rights kind of always on like offense. They're always like on the attack, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and then the left or they're, they're more, uh, you know, okay, how do we respond to this? You know, it's, it's always like, they're always on defense. They always have to like justify what's happening. And a lot of the times it's it's not even like a problem they created. Like this debt ceiling thing we just had on last week. It's, it's, it's basically just to increase the amount of money for things that we've already allocated to put money in or paid for. And a huge chunk of that was spending from, <laughs> from the Trump years. So we just had to increase our credit limit to pay for those things. And Republicans were like, Oh my gosh, we can never increase this. This is crazy. You guys are spending, it's like, this is literally from the last four years. And so it put like Democrats on defense as to just, like, try to justify why we need to increase our debt limit. Like, but
1: see, the Republicans are like it's like I, I feel like Democrats are they're like playing chess and then uh, Republicans are trying to trying to turn over the board, uh, you know. So it's like you're kind of overthinking. Like they just make up words, like yeah. or, or they'll 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 pull up a word like critical race theory and they just yeah. like pump that out so much and then people right. are just responding to that and not leading in any particular direction. But I, right. I mean, I, I think the Democrats are weird. Like in any other country, they'd be like a right wing party.
0: But I do think isn't that that's like the irony. Of of it, there would be like a centrist, you know, kind of right-ish party, and and and, and in America, Democrats are called radical left.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And then, but you follow that, right? And Democrats keep moving. The Republicans keep moving further and further right, and the uh, Democrats keep following them. Uh, they they don't like move in any other direction. Yes, but if you want some hope, sorry. I mean, like right now, there's a I think there's like almost a hundred thousand people striking in America uh, uh, from like John Deere and I think Kaiser Permanente and so on. And and Black Lives Matters was, I think, the largest civil rights movement in your history, and there's a lot of really good, interesting ideas that came out of that. Um, I mean, like I started thinking about prison abolition here based on the ideas coming out of there, Mm. and then so I mean, from like Black people, Indigenous people, I've been reading this book by the Red Nation about um, a Red Deal, which is like just a a comprehensive approach to climate change, not just like you know changing the power supply, but changing Mm. the actual capitalism and the power structures that, that drive this big problem. So, I mean, there are, there are ideas coming, but they're not necessarily coming out of the democratic party and the Republican party for whatever it does, it is somehow more open to like new ideas. Like Trump is able to come in and just like pump it full of new bad ideas and they sort of (laughs) follow along with that. Whereas (laughs) Democrats are unaware that they have this huge, you know, civil rights movement. They have like young popular politicians and they're Mm -hmm. just trying to like put them in the closet and like Mm -hmm. go back to meetings with their donors. Right. So that's kind of the problem. I don't know. There's a lot of problems.
0: And it's a lot of problems. We've got, got a lot of problems. Well, Andy, this was fun.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, if there's one lesson your readers get like maybe things shouldn't be fun. Like maybe things yeah. are, should be bad. Right. Like maybe you should feel bad sometimes. Mm. Like you can, all, all you're doing is just putting off, like dealing with the crap that's in front of you. Mm. Whereas in the rest of the world, we're kind of used to like stuff being bad. You, you guys are going to have to get used to it.
0: <laughs> are we. I mean, this might be a little strong, but we're, are, 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 are Americans are Americans delusional?
1: I, I think Americans are, are, are children. Mm, like in, wow. In, 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 okay. Yeah. But in terms of a culture, you, you're so young. Mm. Like our, our culture here goes back like 2,500 right? years. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like we just have these memories of just like things going screwy as they always do. Like mm. we have a concept of like history moving in cycles and so on. Mm. You guys think that like you just landed on Plymouth Rock and things have just been on the up and up ever since. and It's going to mm. keep going that way. Right. And just anybody with a memory longer than 200 years doesn't think like that.
0: Right. That's, that's incredible, actually, to think about. We're so new. We're I mean, compared to the rest of the world, we're, we're practically babies.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, welcome to the world.
0: Yeah. It's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the world. It's a mess. I, it sounds like a book title. Maybe that's... Uh, I like that. That kind of, sounds good. Um, Andy, once again, thanks for coming on the DAO. This This was amazing. I really, really enjoyed your analysis.
1: Yeah, cool. Thank you for having me, and, and good luck to all of you. <laughs> Thanks.
0: Even our different teams at the Delve discussed and debated what it means for a country to be in a state of collapse. But we were unable to reach an overall conclusion about the merits that determine what is and isn't a collapse. These are some of the important questions that we can start to think deeply about. The more we question the status quo, the more we can realize the real issues and make more informed responses and decisions about how to improve our own systems. Thank you all for listening to our discussion. You can check out Indy's website, indy.ca. You can also watch more of his content on YouTube by searching his YouTube account, Indica. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you next Tuesday. This is The Dalve.